You are listening to episode 124 of The STEM Space, where Claire and I chat all about bones in celebration of the spooky season of Halloween. From designing a prosthetic leg to a creepy science project involving a rat skeleton, join us for a spine-tingling episode. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Claire. Hey, how's it going? Good. So you're on the road. Where are you heading? So I'm headed to Albany, Texas which is about an hour south of where I live, to go teach a homeschool group about rockets. Is it straw rockets? Yes. So this is probably the most popular thing that I do outside of teaching at my own school, is uh, what we love to talk about is rockets, but with straw rockets, the Pitsco rocket launchers. We talk about the Pitsco rocket launchers all the time because they're amazing. So I bring those, I do kind of a show and tell about mm -hmm. things I've worked on from NASA to crop dusters, and then we I'm going to launch an Estes rocket because you have to launch a model oh. rocket, right? Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. So it's like a outreach presentation for them. Yeah, exactly. So they, they reached out because uh, they knew some friends that were had gone to my school and they said, hey... We hear that you do presentations and whatever you want to talk about, we'd love to have you, which I'm like, great. I love talking about rockets. I hope that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's not really a in-depth, well, I will talk about forces and motion, but it's more about planting those seeds. And I always think about when we do this, these type of things that I know that you do too, Natasha, is that maybe one of the kids that sees this model rocket launch, that will be the spark that's like, mm. I want to understand more about engineering or science. Yeah. So. Well, funny enough, I did straw rockets yesterday with my undergrad pre-service teachers. Really? Yeah. And we were trying, um, it, was in, it was to set them up for their project. They are going to... Um, create their own science lesson. So this is the first time that they'll be responsible for like thinking about, I might be a science teacher someday. How would I plan a lesson versus I'm a Ooh. student of science. And so they're going to be using the learning cycle. So we talked about how you start off with an exploration activity, mm -hmm. no vocabulary, definitions, no content, just have them explore. And I was using the, the rockets as an example of this. Um, so I had them design a rocket. I would just give them all the materials and I was like, okay, create a rocket that has to hit this target on the wall. You cannot change the angle. It's going to be at 45 degrees and we're going to drop it from the, the little column thing was raised to, I think, 26. And they're like, oh, it went too far. Can I change it? And I'm like, no, no, you can only change your rocket. Ooh. So they had to think about the variables in the rocket and we've already done forces in motion. So they were applying some of those concepts, but it was really think about like surface area and how can you reduce or increase the drag, play around with the weight, the length of the rocket. 
So that was their exploration. And then we did some concept development of talking about forces on the rocket and really trying to bring in some vocabulary and give them the tools to better understand these variables. Yes. And then the last phase is the application. So can you apply that to a new scenario? And this was, now that you've gotten to hit a target, I want you to take that information to make it travel the farthest distance. So it was like, shifting the design challenge a bit and now they wanted to completely decrease decrease drag and everything um so that was really fun and they it's always cool to see all ages get like so much joy whenever their rocket hits the target or goes super far <laughs> you know yes and I, that's one of the reasons why i know uh, both of us love these straw rocket launchers because I've used them from pre-K all the way up to when we go to conferences and do them with other teachers. So, and it's like the same reaction, right? They all yeah. like scream and shout and stuff when they hit the target or go really far. Uh, it's incredible. We do them at family nights too, the STEM mm -hmm. family nights. I always bring those. I know you do too. Uh, and get whole families involved. And even like grandparents are so into it I that you're like, it. hey, remember to let the kids do it too. <laughs> and they get so competitive like as, yes. as a family whose rocket can go the farthest. <laughs> yeah. That's when you see the true colors of adults come out. They're like, yeah. stuck it, kid. You know, just like, get out of the way. Give me the right. <laughs> Well, we got to plug in here that we do have a STEM family night kit with Pitsco that includes the rocket lock launcher. So if you are hosting your own STEM family night and need a kit with everything in it, I highly recommend that one. Yes. And I know that uh, like you can get sticker shock when you see the price of the straw rocket launcher, but it is so worth it. And I, I don't know how long you've had yours, like years and years, years. right? And yeah. I use it all the time. So totally worth it. Uh, great for writing grants. This would be that kit would be perfect to apply for a grant to purchase or talk to your admin about how you can get that because it's so worth it for not just a STEM family night. You can use those in the classroom or um, in any classroom, science or STEM after school programs. It's awesome. And I feel like we could just keep talking about rockets, but I'm going <laughs> to shift uh, the conversation to, I just got back from a trip to Minnesota. Have you ever been to Minnesota? I've not. I would love to though. They have really cool accents there. Oh my gosh. That's all. I was just walking around <laughs> listening. And like when I would check out somewhere, I wouldn't even realize I'm like talking to them because I'm just like enamored. <laughs> by the accent. I love it. And yeah, I'm like Wisconsin's right there. And the way they say Wisconsin, like I can't say it, but <laughs> it's just beautiful. So I actually went to Wisconsin because I was right there um, kind of east of St. Paul, Minneapolis, which is on the border with Wisconsin. So we went across the river, had dinner, dinner there one night. But it was quite a shock because I came from Texas where we've been experiencing 100 plus oh. <laughs> degree summer. And the night we got there was a frost advisory. What? And so I changed a lot of seasons in my <laughs> travels. Um, but it was a nice break from the Texas heat. And we went outside and we're like hiking and just enjoying the weather. We went to the Mall of America, like oh. the famous mall that has an amusement park in it, had like an aquarium, had to go to Legoland, of course. <laughs> that was cool. Um, but I want to share a story 
that so I was there visiting uh, my research advisor. So she's helping me um, re- do my research that I've been talking about. So I hopefully someday get a PhD. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. It's on her to allow me to graduate. But she was sharing some really interesting stories of her experiences teaching. Um, so she had been a science teacher in Los Angeles, and then she's mentored a lot of teachers. And so this is a story from one of her um, former students that became a teacher, I think. Anyway, so she was trying to explain how you, when students have these like interests, you wanna nurture those. And it made me think of your nature wall where you have students bring in kind of whatever, explain that nature wall. (laughs) Yes. So I wanted to get students, you know, interested in the things that they're interested in and we can talk about it and they get excited to share something. So it's kind of like a show and tell. They bring uh, dead bugs or fossils or feathers or bird's nests and we get to talk about them. So I, yeah, so you, you might be thinking about what one girl brought recently mm-hmm. to my classroom. It was like a 14 inches of a cow backbone, <laughs> like walks into the class with this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, where'd you get this? Oh, I just picked it up in my yard. Oh, <laughs> like, <no. laughs> But incredible, because then I got to share with the kids, oh, this is what your spine looks like. And do you see how it, you know, it's really fragile and you need to Mm -hmm. protect this. Don't do crazy things. See how when you jump on a trampoline, what could happen to your back? (laughs) Like, uh, So anyway, it's it's really awesome. They sometimes bring me things that really freak me out. Like I didn't specify what bugs. So they've been bringing me lots of dead cockroaches, which is not cool. Ew. Uh, Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's really cool because you get to foster their own interests. Okay. So along those lines, there was a (laughs) student that brought in, this is like middle school, right? Sixth or seventh grader brings in a dead rat. How would you react? (laughs) And not only that, they said, I would like to take the bones out of this rat so I can see the skeleton. And my reaction as a teacher would be like, no, (laughs) I cannot support this dream. I understand that you want to do this. No, this. So this teacher was like, awesome. This is so I love it. I will help you figure this out. So they like research how to take the bones out. And you can't just like dig them out of this, like dissect the rat and take the bones out because they're so tiny and fragile that they'll just kind of disintegrate. So any ideas how they took the bones out? Um, I assume you have to probably dehydrate the rat. Even better. Oh, no. Do you have to burn it? (laughs) Nope. It's gross. This is a good Halloween Um, story. Um, They put it in a container. Oh, they released rot? No. They released beetles. Oh to eat the rat and then all you have are bones left okay <laughs> and this is happening in the classroom okay so imagine wait, a container wait, with a rat and <laughs> so hold on how long does this process take i have not researched this because i don't want to know like <laughs> the images I just have my own vision of what this is looking like. And well, I cannot imagine being a student in this class. 
Because there's and, supposed to be learning happening while beetles are actively eating away at this dead rat. So I wanted to share this idea in case you wanted to add it to your nature <laughs> wall. But the story continues. Oh, no. So this was successful. They have all the bones of the rat. She puts them together and has a little rat skeleton, you know, model <laughs> hanging out in the classroom. And this inspired her love of skeletons. So a month or so later she brings in a dead bunny and is like can oh. we do it again and the teacher's like sure so they repeat this process year all the whole school year with all sorts of dead rodents and bunnies and whatever else <laughs> she could find i don't know how this is allowed i don't know this los angeles district if you're a teacher there <laughs> what is going on um so six years later okay so now she's a high school student, is graduating. She ends up getting this prestigious fellowship to be a bone specialist at a museum and no. that is what she do, does for a living. So she like helps preserve, you know, dinosaur bones or whatever other bones what? they display at museums. So it it all worked out and we should nurture all the sparks of our students, Claire. <laughs> I am so conflicted right now. <clears throat> uh yeah i know uh that's wonderful <laughs> that's wonderful so that was my story um do you have any stories of your last week or so of teaching <laughs> well okay i have to specify for my nature wall i made the ru one rule of do not bring a mammal into my classroom <laughs> so uh should wait, wait. I start over. That? So you had a one rule for your nature wall. Yes, I have one rule to not bring a mammal into my classroom. So you're saying that I should probably take that rule away that rule. for the sake of science. No, then you'll have <laughs> dead cats hanging on the wall. I can't do it. <laughs> oh. Too far. Okay. Well... Okay, I, no. I'll have to think about this one. But I do have something related to bones that I have been doing in my classroom okay. recently. Uh, so my fifth grade students are doing the prosthetic limb challenge. Mm. And I... Oh, hold on. Hold on. You must be hill diving. We're going to start that over. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, hey, Claire. Hey. <laughs> we are back. Um, we were attempting to record this podcast while you were driving. And I kept, well, you kept losing signal. So I couldn't catch a lot of the last part that you were talking about. So fast forward a week later. <laughs> I think so. I think <laughs> we're here to finish this podcast. Um, so the last thing we were talking about was the prosthetic leg challenge and your sister coming in. So you want to go back to that? I do, because it's been even more amazing now that it's been a week. So sorry about the audio last time. Hopefully that was that was okay. Um, if, I know you're just listening to this right in right from the last time we recorded. So hopefully I don't repeat myself either. But um, 
Yeah, we're doing the prosthetic limb challenge, which I've never done before, but it has been amazing. Mostly because my students, these are my fifth grade students that are doing this. They've been with me for four years. So pretty much all of their elementary school has been with me teaching them STEM. So they are pros at design challenges. But this took it a, another step um, like beyond a normal design challenge because my sister is a prosthetist. So she makes prosthetic limbs and so she's the perfect person to bring in on this. So I had all my students ask questions after they watched all the videos that were in our pro our product of the prosthetic limb challenge. And they had all these questions about prosthetic legs and uh, how much do they cost? How do you make one? Do you, Can you make some that can move on their own? Are they like electronic? And do you charge them or do they have batteries if you do that? What do you do after you outgrow them? So they asked all these questions to her and she sent back a video from her lab showing different legs that she's designed uh, in a children's hospital in uh, the DFW area. And it was just amazing. My kids are so excited about it. Several of them are now like, I might be interested in doing this. I didn't even know this was something that you could get into, really. I guess, you know, people have seen prosthetic limbs, but don't know much about it. So it's been amazing. Right now, uh, the kids have all made their prosthetic leg, but they're trying to figure out how to attach it. Because this design challenge, the way you test it, is having, I'm doing it in pairs, having each child in the pair have to wear it and walk five steps using it by bending one leg then backwards so that their knee is what is on top of the prosthetic. So it's the lower leg that's the prosthetic leg, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they have to figure out how to attach it. <laughs> and that's been a challenge. So they actually asked my sister, uh, another question. And so she was able to answer them and is sending pictures and videos back saying, well, these are some different ways that you attach. Every leg is different because it's based on whatever the actual child has left uh, and mm -hmm. where there is most comfortable because you can't put weight on every part or it would hurt. So that's been just so incredible of an experience because the students are actually doing something that's related to how it works in the real world and getting that uh, expertise from a real STEM professional. What an amazing way to use a, I mean, you call it a career chat or a guest yeah. you know, expert coming into your classroom. And usually it's a one-time thing. They come in, they share their story and it's over. But I love the fact that they're doing a challenge related to what your sister does and then are like, help, how do you do this? And they're better able to understand and connect with her work because they're doing it in your classroom. Uh, so that is amazing. I love that connection. And I'm sure it sparks the kids with other ideas of like, Oh, okay. For this challenge, what else can I do? And like building empathy also mm -hmm. for these kids because they're testing out the prosthetic legs that they're making and realizing how uncomfortable it is. I right, and yes. how you can like adapt it to different people. So, how far are they in this challenge? Have they built the legs? They have built them. They just need to attach them so that they can test. So that's what we're doing tomorrow. And something that, so my own daughter is in this class. She's a fifth grader. And something that was interesting, a conversation we had over the weekend is she 
uh, was looking at me preparing for this week of teaching and my older students, the middle schoolers are doing our zoo enclosure product challenge. And she was like, oh, that's so cool. Will I get to do that? I was like, yeah, you'll get to do it next year if you're in STEM. And she's like, that's amazing. And then she goes, so, but what is the point of it? Like, what is your purpose of teaching that? Because you don't really need to know how to make a zoo enclosure. And I was like, that's a great question. I said, you know, you have been learning the empathy piece of doing these prosthetic limbs and thinking about the end user. It's the same with the zoo is you have to think about all the different perspectives involved. So the animals have to, you have to think about their perspective. What are they going to enjoy? Are they going to be miserable in your enclosure? What would uh, increase their enjoyment and with their food, their health? You also have to think about the visitors of the zoo and from their perspective, what would make the zoo enjoyable? If the enclosure is too big, they'll never see the animals, but you don't want it too small. And then you have to, and and then my daughter is like, and then you have to think about the teacher's perspective who's grading this project. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> so it. it's good to have these kind of exposures to different things, but also to think about what do they have in common and right. that, that client piece, which I think is something that a lot of times we forget to talk about. Right. So we have a holiday coming up, Halloween. Yeah. And- this is kind of a transition because you were talking about animals and I know you, we have several resources related to animals, but specifically to Halloween, we had just posted about the spider activity is like really popular, but what are some ideas for anybody who needs like a last minute Halloween activity? Well, now that I'm thinking about animals, I just can't get out of my head the story that you told about cleaning the, the animal, I know. bringing that into us. <laughs> so, uh, all about the bones. Um, yeah, so we're, we're doing these spider parachutes with kindergarten this week, which is one of my favorites to do with them because it's so fun. And it relates to some of the spiders that use the little parachutes to, to fly off and disperse after okay, they hatch. Isn't the backstory? Yeah, it's like little babies. Ha- yeah. Tell me the backstory. So now I think of Charlotte's Web because it shows that in the movie and that's what the kids can relate to. But there's also several videos out there that show this. I don't know how it works or what spiders do this, but they shoot out like a little web parachute and then they just fly off right after they're born. And it's like, how do you know to do that? But uh, yeah, so then we talk about that and then we make little spider parachutes. I have the little plastic spiders you can get um, real cheap somewhere any anywhere really right now during this Halloween season and then they attach it via string or pipe cleaners to a coffee filter and then I bring my box fan and turn it sideways so that it's blowing upwards and so we we see well if you attach it differently can you make more drag can you weigh down your spider and so it's really fun and also they just are so excited about it. I would also uh, be grossed out. Like you should play a video of all these spiders. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that might freak them out a little bit, but it's all good. They're good spiders, friendly ones. Yeah. What else? What other activities do you do for Halloween? Uh, so circuits are always big. So make the paper circuit Halloween house, the haunted house. I don't know if you've done that one yet, but it's really fun. The kids really get into it. They always try to make it so that there's light up ghosts that they can make pop out of the windows, which is 
is like next level and but pretty awesome some a teacher actually submitted um like a comment about the haunted house saying they turned their classroom into haunted house and so they did paper circuits but like each group or team had a corner of the room that they were in charge of so they had to make things light up and it was like an interactive haunted house experience wow that's really cool Was it so you really want to get into it, or were they like life size? I don't know. Corner, <laughs> like that's some intense circuitry. Yeah, I know. You were talking about like a paper, I'm, like card small. Size. Yeah, like on the table. No, I think this was like Little. you walk through the haunted house <laughs> and like push buttons and things light up. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I would need bigger LED lights and large batteries, but right. maybe next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. Yes, that's a favorite one. Candy. I mean, you always have to do stuff with candy, right? Yeah. So there's to do pumpkin chunking with catapults. Do that with the the candy pumpkins, candy corn pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then the candy grabber. That's a really fun one. And also this is really a good frustrating. Host Halloween activity. So have the students bring in their Halloween candy for a you know good purpose for STEM. Yes. So oh, yeah. how does this work? You like throw it in the middle of the room? So I make a big circle. I can't remember what the diameter of the circle is, but it's it's long enough so that they can't reach the candy if even if they use their arms. But they can't cross the boundary with any body part. They have to create a device that can pick up the candy and pull it out of the circle. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a huge motivator because it's like, well, as much candy as you can pick up in this amount of time, it's yours. And so, can they slide it out of the circle or do they no, have to lift it? They have to lift it. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I make kind of like two circles. So there's one circle, inner circle with the candy, and then there's an outer circle that they can't cross. And it cannot, if the candy falls in between those circles, it's just gone. Nice. So, yeah, you can't let it touch the it's inner abyss. middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I get to eat it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so those are those are probably my favorites that we're doing uh, for Halloween. Awesome. Well, I know it's like last minute for Halloween, so hopefully these are some ideas. But like the Halloween candy is one you could do the week of Halloween to kind of keep the celebration going. And then the pumpkin chunking whatever one the catapult is great for more of like a fall thanksgiving because you can just use all the little i've seen candy corns but i've also seen the mini pumpkins you're just gonna have to build a much more sturdy not a little bit more than just like a plastic spoon (laughs) catapult but there's definitely lots of great activities for this fall season and when we started this podcast we didn't really have an intentional theme, but one <laughs> did come out. Uh, what was our theme for this podcast, Claire? Well, yeah, I don't know why we started recording this podcast, but it's come to be about bones. And unfortunately, that carried through the rest of your weekend. Yeah, we get <laughs> off the call. And a few hours later, I get a phone call from my daughter's school. She's in kindergarten. And she had fallen off the playground because Well, I signed her up for gymnastics and she decided to take her skills to the playground and she was hanging upside down on a pull-up bar trying to do like a flip. Well, you have spotters in gymnastics, but not on recess time. So she fell and she hit her left elbow. Uh, So we took her to the pediatrician and did turn out to be a broken elbow. 
Um, so she's in this full cast, like her whole arms in a cast, which is hot pink. So she wants to be Barbie for Halloween and is super excited about it. Perfect. Um, but I was like, what a day. It was a theme of bones <laughs> on the podcast. And then my kid broke a bone. Man, have you ever broken a bone, Natasha? No. Yeah, I haven't you? either. Yeah. No. So I don't know anything about that, but it sounds terrible. There's just, it's weird because there's nothing they can do. Like, we go to the doctor and they're like, yep, it's broken. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so they just put it in a sling and they're like, give her some pain medication and we'll see her in a week because the swelling has to go down and then they can oh. put it in a cast. But that's it. Like, there's nothing happens. Like, they're not pushing it back in or, you know, you just, it heals yeah. on its own when it's this kind of break. Um, so she'll be fine in a couple of weeks. She can take it off and be like, nothing happened. But it was not the most enjoyable moment <laughs> for us. It was really scary, but she's fine. Yeah, that's I'm so glad. That's incredible the way bones heal themselves. Yeah. And yeah, I don't understand. Uh, I don't either. I'll ask your sister about it later. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we hope everyone has a safe and fun Halloween season. Um, but for now, STEM space out. We want to take a second to give a big thank you to listeners out there who've been tuning in to the STEM space podcast. We love what we do. We love sharing content, the latest and greatest of STEM education and tips and tricks to help you to teach STEM. If you have been listening to us and would love to support us, please leave us a review so we can keep sharing amazing resources and content. Thank you.